When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to the show. 403 here on 1500 ESPN, live and local from the TCL Broadcast Studios. Mackie and Judd are on vacation back sometime next week. So I am in from 5 Eyewitness News. My name is Darren Doogie Wolfson. Manny Hill is here sidekicking, technically directing, producing, co-piloting. Thank you, Manny, for being here. Joining us now, he is Twins Chief Baseball Officer. It is Derek Falvey. Derek, always great to catch up. I appreciate your time. Likewise, Doogie. Great to, great to catch up with you today. What are you thinking when you're flying back last night from beautiful California, although all those, <laughs> all those wildfires are, are a bit frightening, but you fly back and you fly back into a snowstorm. Yeah, no, no question. I, uh, we left California. It was a little bit warmer than it is here. Uh, I got to my my car, the parking lot there at the at the terminal, and uh, I had to warm up the seats. Let's put it that way. It was, uh, it was a little different here, but I'm I like thinking about baseball because it keeps me uh, keeps me warm for the spring. Did you accomplish a good amount there in Carlsbad? You know, it felt like we did. Uh, you know, obviously the uh, there's always a, a view of what news comes out of there with respect to accomplishments. But I think what what I've found the GM meetings to be really useful for in my career, uh, and certainly have over the last couple of years here, is to really lay the groundwork for a lot of conversations. You know, you meet with different agents, with players, you get a sense for whether or not they have interest in your situation and environment. You learn a lot about. Uh, what they're looking for, just generally speaking, um, and, and then have some preliminary conversations. And then, you know, you meet with every other club. You know, you got a chance to really dig in deep to, to learn about team needs rather than just presuming them from a distance. So, you know, to sit down and have conversations about where teams are and where our team is, it was helpful on a, a lot of fronts. And then lastly, you know, to talk to Major League Baseball about ways we can continue to improve the product on the field. You know, we, we talk about pace of game and we talk about ways mm-hmm. that we, as a baseball operation, can continue to to impact uh, the way we play the game and, and, and certainly reflect fan sentiment. So uh, it was a great, great couple of days, uh, but excited to be back home. On your team, on the needs front, are we talking first baseman, second baseman, starting rotation, and the bullpen? Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, you've certainly identified a couple of areas. We know we need two infielders. You know, we've been thoughtful about uh, where guys where guys slot. Now, that could be some movement around our current infield. Uh, we're not ruling anything out at that point, but I think you hit you hit probably the two areas uh, when we talk about our our current our current openings, uh, and certainly when you, when you think about pitching, whether it's rotation, bullpen, or otherwise. I think we're always looking to add to that group. Uh, there, I would guess there won't be a year where I have a conversation in. Uh, in the in the fall and into the winter, where we aren't talking about pitching, so th- those are the areas I, I would expect us to 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 take a look at early on. And is the beauty that you do have a good amount of financial flexibility? 
Well, it, it was something that I, you know, we talked about even going back to last offseason. We knew that uh, we had been set up uh, fairly well for the future around our commitments and, and being uh, being flexible. So that affords us conversations and trades you know, that might prove interesting if uh, some guys with other teams are making some money and we think it's a good fit, uh, and certainly in free agency. So uh, we, our, our goal here is to try and put the best team on the field and figure out how we do that in the most efficient way and build it so it could be more sustainable over time. And you have to be thoughtful about where you're investing that money. So we'll, we'll make sure that we, uh, we open up all avenues this offseason. Derek, when you say two infielders, but not necessarily a first baseman and a second baseman, I mean, specifically, is, is that mean that you're open-minded to the potential of, you know, Jorge Polanco, for example, playing second base, not shortstop, and the potential of Miguel Sano not playing third base, but playing first base? I think that's that's exactly right. I mean, I think I w- we wouldn't rule anything out. You know, the reality is when when you go into an off season, the way we have it structured now, you know, Jorge uh, is our everyday shortstop, and and Miguel, we have every expectation will be there at third. But it, you know, if the right opportunity presents, we never want to rule out something that could potentially allow us to shift a guy if we find the the perfect third base fit for us over over some period of time. Does that open up a conversation with Miguel on the other side? I would say those are things we're we're always thinking about. And then on the bullpen, I mean, are you looking specifically for, you know, that traditional closer, that ninth inning guy, or are you open-minded to, you know, getting a guy that, that certainly can get some outs in the seventh inning, eighth inning, and if you want him to, also the ninth inning? I think we're all seeing across baseball that the, the bullpen is being used, you know, so, so differently than maybe it had in years past. And, and, and we certainly want guys to be able to get uh, some of the most important last nine outs of a game, at least. And right now, you know, as it stands, I think we have some internal candidates for that role, certainly. We saw down the stretch some guys, you know, guys like Trevor Hildenberger and Taylor Rogers and others that have pitched really well for us over the last couple of seasons. I think we have some young guys that still haven't quite gotten their, uh, gotten to prove themselves up here, uh, in the bullpen. But, you know, as we know each and every year, if you look at different pens, I think of Oakland this past year, I think the year prior, a number of those guys weren't uh, what they what they were able to do uh, this past season. So I, I have every expectation that we have some good arms in house uh, that will be here. But it would be likely, I would imagine, that we'll acquire from the outside as well. Is your top priority, Derek, before maybe you sign a free agent or execute a trade, finalizing your coaching staff? Well, it, it, you have to run concurrently at this point. <laughs> I think uh, I wish I could say you do one and then the other, uh, but then we'd be hot, we'd be behind. So we're working through coaching staff decisions. Uh, certainly interviews and otherwise uh, right now as we speak and and we'll continue to do so uh, with Rocco and then at the same time have those di- have those conversations around players so I, I have every expectation we're going to round out our staff here with a, a good group of people uh, that will that will really impact whichever players we acquire so we're just going to have to stay nimble on both fronts on the pitching coach front are you looking for a traditional pitching coach or speaking of being open-minded I mean it seems like that position is evolving the last couple of years it- it really is, Doogie. I, I think that we are open-minded there. I, you know, we've we've thought a lot about what structures work. You know, when you when you look at baseball, one of the things that I I, I always I think about in my my creative time, you know, is you you look at other sports. You, you try and identify what are they doing in the NFL around coaching and development. While it's certainly a different sport, no question. So is the NBA or the NHL or others. I think we can learn from one another and how we we coach professional athletes. So. I've looked at you know, different types of structures around our staff, you know, which responsibilities exist in different places, and we now use our bullpens differently. So how do we use the staff that's out there in the pen? You know, nothing is off the table for us right now. So we've talked to some different people with different backgrounds 
who have to be more of a scouting influence or or potentially more of a player development influence uh, that that might impact us here at the major league level. So I would anticipate us uh, being pretty open minded and creative with our group. Derek, how do you guys feel about the, the the opener strategy that was used by the team uh, this year? We saw Tampa Bay sort of utilize that that approach, and and how how did what's your sort of takeaway and how how that was used over the course of the season? You know, when I look at you look at Tampa, you just referenced them, and I think they were the team that really pioneered it and, and did it so effectively. I think you know, when they made some of the decisions they had to make around some of their trades earlier this year, there was a belief, you know, at least publicly, I'm sure internally, not so much for them, but that they had certainly downgraded their overall staff, but they found a way to put guys into positions to be really, really successful and effective. And I think ultimately, when I think about pitching and defense, I just think about run prevention. You know, how do we prevent runs? That's the goal. Because then if we score more than they do, uh, this can be a simple game sometimes. So I think that, that, that what they did and how they deployed it worked effectively. Now, what I would say is not every staff is set up perfectly for it. Uh, I think that not every pitcher is a perfect candidate to have that uh, conversation. For us in September, we used it with a couple of young guys just to see how it how it worked and, and certainly to adapt some ideas. And you know, for us, when you look at the stats in those games, they were, they were certainly effective. Uh, I don't think it'll be something that uh, will go away in the short term. I think it's something more teams will explore. And you know, the way I look at it, and someone said this to me a long time ago, there, there was a belief at one point that a guy pitching one, one inning at the end of a game was a, a rarity and something new. Uh, and that that became the closer and something we all know. So I think the the game evolves. We all evolve with it and adapt, and I would anticipate there will be continued evolution in this game. It's 411 here on 1500 ESPN, talking with Twins Chief Baseball Officer Derek Falvey. Derek, are you operating as if Joe Maurer will not be on your roster next year? Uh, Well, certainly we've had conversations with Joe just around his thoughts and and future and otherwise, and he continues to... Um, and have conversations internally with his family. So uh, we've prepared, you know, just rationally. You know, and, and, and the way we approach that is both ways, you know, to keep that in mind as we have those conversations. But I do anticipate, you know, we'll certainly get to resolution here uh, in the near term, and, 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 and Joe will certainly be at a place, you know, soon where I'm sure he feels, feels good about which direction he wants to head in 2019 and beyond. Is November 20th the deadline to add guys to the 40-man roster? Yeah, it's just, just about that date. I don't have it right on my calendar in front of me, but that, that, that's about the time when you have to make those final decisions to protect uh, for Rule 5. So we're getting, we're getting pretty close to making those final decisions on our roster. All right, so how many tough decisions are there? I mean, heck, there's some easy ones. I mean, I guess Nick Gordon would be an easy one, although maybe not. But, but how many tough decisions in general are there? Sure, it's a, it's a great question. Every year, I, I want to say that in every room, uh, it feels like there are more tough ones than you imagine going in. Just because you know you love your players, you know you love love making sure that you see young guys through to the big leagues. Uh, there's certainly a few to, a few that we might feel are, are kind of close to no brainers for us that we're just going to go ahead and move forward with. But uh, I, every year, I feel like the the reliever group's always the toughest one. You know, you got a few guys that might be on the cusp of being you know, a major league guy, and, and you feel like in the Rule Five draft, a reliever could get selected and maybe stick on a roster for a year. So I would say that that's going to be the toughest group of players for us. Is the last couple of pitchers uh, that we add to the roster uh, going into next year. Derek, do you view that, that next year can be closer to two years ago than this previous year, that presumably the Indians are not going to retain all their free agents? Who knows? Maybe they end up losing all these guys, Cody Allen, Andrew Miller, you know, Brantley, mm-hmm. Josh Donaldson, but that there's, that there's a window there that maybe the White Sox aren't quite ready to make a jump next year, the Royals, the Tigers, that, that you guys can be closer to the team that won 85 two years ago as opposed to what we saw this past year? 
Sure, I, I think that's fair. You know, when, when you look at when you look at our club, you know, certainly winning eighty five last year um, was was a great step for our group. Now this year, winning seventy eight. When you say that out loud at the end of the year, and you look up at our roster and, and the injuries we dealt with, and you know, some of the underperformance in different spots, it doesn't feel like it was that far off of that team. And I, I think that. Certainly, we feel like with continued health and performance and uh, a jumping back from our young core to, to being what we, we believe they can be, uh, we do believe we can approximate that. You know, when you look at, uh, certainly we've mentioned, you know, at length some of the injuries and some of the guys that have, have struggled this year, uh, but we expect, you know, we shouldn't expect that level of, of, of underperformance going into next year. So we'd, we'd expect each of those guys to jump, jump back to where they should be. And the trajectory of our team, we still feel is bright. You know, we've, we have a young core of players who we think are going to impact us here. And we need to find ways to, to add around it, to supplement. But we also need to be open-minded if we feel like there are ways to improve our club, you know, moving forward, including that group. So we'll just, we'll stay open-minded, but we feel like this is a good roster. I mean, presumably you need to jump up from 85, right? I mean, talk all you want about 78, but 85, two years ago, I mean, that's, that's a rarity, right? I mean, you look at the Tampa Bay Rays this past year, Derek, right? 90 wins, and they missed the playoffs by a handful of games, right? That that 85 was so rare to make the playoffs. Absolutely. You really need to target 90 at least, right? Absolutely. That, that has to be our goal. I mean, I think, you know, we never really think of it as an exact win number, but but I, I think you're right, dude. You're, the sentiment's there. I, you know, we have to be... To get into the playoffs most years, you got to be in those 90s, and certainly to win divisions, you do. So uh, it's a rarity to have that 85-win season. That was a, a unique year. I think we were the last remaining team in the American League above 500 at that point. So you know that got us into the playoffs, which you know, it, we're, we were fortunate about. But we do need to continue to improve and grow and develop uh, beyond where we were. We know we, not, we aren't where we need to be today, so we need to find ways to enhance the group that we have internally and continue to grow uh, for the future. I'll let you go after two more quickies. On Rocco Baldelli, your new manager, anything you now know about Rocco that maybe you didn't know even just a couple weeks ago? <laughs> well, I can tell you this. I, you know, His passion for every aspect of our organization is probably what I, what I have learned. I mean, he is, he is dug in deep. Uh, he's, you know, he's back home and he's learning as much as he can about our young players, about our our scouting group, you know, trying to get uh, run through the call list of uh, so many people in our organization. So trying to introduce himself, at least personally, to so many so many staff members and players. So uh, he's 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 just he's all in. There's no question. He loves everything they're trying to do and build here, and I think he's a great partner for us moving forward. Then on the health front, you know, whether it's you know Alberto Mejia, Michael Pineda, Jason Castro, Byron Buxton. I'm probably top of my head leaving out a name or two, but but how are some guys doing on the health front? Yeah, it's you know as we just referenced, you know, tough year on a lot of fronts with a number of guys losing early. Jason Castro really ca- continues to get himself in a good place in the off season. We feel he's going to have a normal off season and should be good to go come spring training. Uh, Miguel Sano has fully recovered and is working out at our facility down in the Dominican. While he's back home, he continues to show real improvement. Um, guys like Eddie Rosario, who after dealing with his uh, strain at the end of the year, is in a much better place. We expect a, a normal offseason from him. You know, certainly Byron, somebody who dealt with a lot of challenges this year, uh, up and down, mostly around health. And you know, for him to, to really get that time now to, to, to get himself where he needs to be going into next spring, uh, he's also in a good place. So we feel like from a position player group, you know, that they're all in a, in a great place. Adelberto Mejia, who you referenced, is, is getting, uh, getting stronger uh, with where he needs to be with his arm. And we fully anticipate our, our plan was around Thanksgiving to really test out in full his throwing. And if everything should go well there, uh, we expect we expect a continued normal offseason. And uh, same to be said about Michael Pineda, you know, somebody who we are going to count on next year as, as a big part of our pitching rotation and, 
uh, his knee is fully recovered in in a place where he should be uh, he should be good to go come spring. So so far, uh, no baseball games being played. I don't think we're going to have any injuries in the short term here. So <laughs> hopefully, we keep everyone on the right track going into Fort Myers. Isn't the Arizona Fall League still going? You got some prospects yeah, down there, don't true. you? That's true. That's true. I guess. I so guess be careful there. There's, some of our young players still have a chance to potentially uh, experience some injuries. We'll keep our fingers crossed. Do you have a bunch of guys playing winter ball, like in the Dominican or somewhere else? Uh, we have some along the way. Uh, you know, certainly some of our younger players like to get those additional at bats. What we're focused on for most of our major league guys and, and certainly near term uh, twins and forty man guys uh, to really get them uh, to put their, as you just mentioned, the injuries and otherwise get guys healthy. So in the short term, here our expectation is to have. Uh, a lot of work being done at Fort Myers at camps, you know, some of it down in Dominican as well, and less of a focus on winter ball. But certainly, we'll get some innings and at bats throughout the winter. Derek, always appreciate the time. Have a wonderful weekend. Thanks so much. You guys too. At the voice of Derek Falvey, Twins Chief Baseball Officer. It's four eighteen here on fifteen hundred ESPN. It's the TCL Broadcast Studios. It's Darren Doogie Wolfson. It's Manny Hill. When we come back, some of you know him as Amir Coffee's dad. I know him as Richard Coffey, former Timberwolf, former Gopher. Richard Coffey is in studio. We'll talk Gophers. It's also the 30-year anniversary of the Wolves. We can talk about his one year with the Wolves, the 91-92 season. So Richard Coffey is next. People, people, I have an important announcement. Mackie and Judd are back after this brief timeout on 1500 ESPN. 87 doesn't exist in the record books, but yeah. it exists in my memory. Mine too. I was a senior in high school, so I vividly recall <laughs> Jacobson yes. and James and Jackson and Harris and that great crew making the run all the way to the Final Four, losing to Kentucky. You know, but that was a blip. I mean, Richard, we're talking about a program with one NCAA tournament victory since the 97 Final Four run. And guess what happened? Tubby Smith got fired. Yeah, he beat Shabazz Muhammad in UCLA. Yeah, then he loses to Florida in the round of thirty-two. Then a couple days later, Norwood Teague fires Tubby. Guess he should have won two games. So can we get back to those glory days? I, I hope. I hope. You know, back when I played and Clem was coaching. You know, Clem put together a really good team. He had us working really hard. We had some really good guys on the on in the program, and everybody had come together to focus on one. And the one thing, and that was trying to win as many basketball games as possible. So we had some really good guys. And, you know, I love the University of Minnesota, and it would be great to see as see us get back to that level where we're consistently in the uh, NCAA tournament. I mean, heck, your son's there. I mean, mm-hmm. you're in the belly of the beast. Mm-hmm. You're at every game. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know everything about this program. Yeah. Is yeah. that cohesion in place? Can this be a special group this year? And, heck... So much can change. I mean, if we had this conversation a year ago, yep. right? They were ranked, what, 12th, 12th in the country, 11th in the country? 12th in the country. Everybody was healthy at the time that they Correct. were ranked 12th in the country. And then a lot of things happened. Yeah, a lot uh, of things did happen, you know, yeah, both lot, on the you know, court and off yeah, the court. On the court and off the court. You know, we lost some players, and you know, a couple of key players got hurt. Yeah, including think, Amir. Including Amir, which was which was really tough. I think, I think the most important thing is... First, if we can stay healthy, you know, staying healthy always helps. Um, we have some, you know, some good freshmen that have come in that I think can help as well. It'll be great to get Eric Curry back and what he brings to the table for this team. Um, you know, you have Dupree and Murphy and Amir uh, that can be um, extremely helpful if if Washington continues to play well and and distribute the ball like he did the first game. That was awesome to see. 
So I, I, I think we have a really good chance to be better than what some people are expecting us to be. Um, but that all depends on, you know, the team staying healthy and, you know, the young guys finding their, their way into the system and rotation and, 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 and the team playing better defense that they've played the first couple, you know, the exhibition game and, and the first regular season game. And I think those things will get. I think the defense will get get better as the as the season go on, but we do have we do have Utah coming in here on Monday. Yeah, I mean we'll learn a lot about this Gophers team come Monday. Now Utah, they beat a nondescript opponent last night only by yeah. like ten, eleven, or twelve. Yeah, but you can only glean so much from a box score. It's not I like agree. I saw Utah play last night, but we are talking about a Pac-12 team. Yeah. So yeah, we should learn a whole lot about this team come Monday. But you know what? They did beat Creighton. Yeah, in a preseason scrimmage in yeah. Omaha, right? For right. what that's worth, empty arena, you know, for sure. quote unquote secret scrimmage. But Creighton should be okay. But yeah, I can only glean so much when you beat Omaha. Now, granted, you're supposed to beat Omaha, for so sure. imagine if they didn't beat Omaha, right? For sure. And a few years ago, they almost didn't beat Omaha, but you know, you beat Omaha and you beat them. I actually, think the final score is a little misleading because the game was fairly competitive in the first half, but you end up winning by what twenty eight. You score one hundred and four points. You had twenty eight assists. But I'm just saying, when you beat a middle-of-the-pack Summit League team, you can only glean so much. So while Tuesday is nice, yeah, let's bring on Monday. I'm excited for Monday against Utah. I, I'm very excited for Monday against Utah. Utah, they're they're very big. They're you know they have I think two or three seven footers. They have a couple six nine six ten guys, so they're gonna be big. And you know to be interested to see how we rebound and, and defend against that. You know, defensively, Utah, they play a lot of different schemes. So we're going to see a lot of ty- different types of defenses. So to be interesting to see how our team adjust and respond to those those different things. And, you know, they're just, they'll be the toughest competition we had so far this year with all of the exhibitions. They're better than Creighton, I think, and they're better than Omaha. So it'll be interesting to see how our team responds on Monday. And I think it's um, after the Monday game. I think you can, you can, you can possibly make some decisions on how you think the team's going to do for the rest of the year. Can you, or do you need to have Eric Curry back? I think Amir's um, close I, to Eric. I, I, You've got yeah. to know Eric really no, Eric, well. Eric's, Eric's mom. Gonna, yeah. I mean, Eric's a heck of a player. Oh, we need. My it. hope is he's back for those two Big Ten games in early December. But that might be, that might be wishful thinking. But can we not really make a full determination? Make a full evaluation of this roster until Eric Curry is back. Well, I'm gonna. I think I can make my evaluation after the game on Monday. Yeah, uh, I, I know what Eric brings to the table, and uh, having him back is gonna be awesome for this team. He's an amazing kid, um, and he, I think he's gonna fight back to 100 percent of of getting healthy again, which is gonna be great for him personally and great for our team. I think Monday's game would would let most of us or all of us know where we are as a as a team and 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 how strong this the season can possibly be now if if we come out and 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 win monday that would be great if we lose monday i i don't think that's the end of the season i i think there's still a lot of work to be done and you're right we do have to get eric back he's a big a, a big missing piece to how how well we can play this 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 winter but i think with the the it'll be with eric out It'll be interesting to see how the freshmen respond to to their opportunities to get some playing time down low. And it'll be interesting to see how we as a team play against a big team because Utah is a very big team. 
Do you have a sense how Eric's doing through the rehab? He's doing well. Uh, I mean, we were told four to six weeks. I mean, could it be closer to the four compared to the six? I, I don't know that, but I know his spirits are high. I know he's working really hard to try to get back. He's very um, he's very impatient to get back on the court, which I would be if I was in his situation as well. So I think he's doing everything that he can possibly do to get back to joining his teammates on the court. All right, hang tight. Former Gophers great Richard Coffey, former Timberwolf Richard Coffey, is in studio. When we come back, I'll have Richard answer this question. For this Gophers team to have a successful season, blank needs to happen. Plus, we'll talk those freshmen, Gabe Kausher, Daniel Oturu, and Jarvis Omersa. So we'll go deeper on the Gophers. And I'm telling you, I want to bring up the Wolves. We'll do it maybe toward the uh, latter part of the hour. But I want to get into the Wolves. You're one year with the Wolves, yep. with this being the 30-year anniversary of the Wolves. Yep. So it's Darren Doogie Wolves and Richard Coffey. Manny Hill here on 1500 ESPN. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios, Mackie and Judd are back. Come on, there's so much to do. On 1500 ESPN. How does winning a $200 Great Wolf Lodge gift card, Roku streaming player, or Taco Bell gift card just for listening to 1500 ESPN sound. Well, those prizes and more are up for grabs at the 1500 ESPN stream player. Earn entries by hitting daily, weekly, and monthly listening thresholds. AKA, the more you listen, the more chances you have to win. Head to 1500ESPN.com and start winning. Breaking news, I'm stealing the Great Wolf Lodge gift card. Took the boys there for (laughs) spring break, Wisconsin Dells. That's pretty awesome. Oh, yeah. No, it was. Even Dad had some fun. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, just close circuit to all the listeners. Yeah. That's not available. <laughs> it's just not. <laughs> so, tell the promotions director if she's in, if if Fenske's in, tell her. I'm telling you, Manny, I'm taking it. I'll see what Elizabeth says. <laughs> that's, that's that's the cost of doing business with having me in studio for three hours here on a Friday afternoon. It's Darren Doogie Wolfson. Richard Coffey is in studio. All right. On the three freshmen. The 2018 recruiting class, thankfully they came in because 2019 recruiting isn't going so well. And I yeah. unfortunately think Richard Pitino is about to get some more bad news here in, in the next few hours with David Roddy of oh, wow. of Breck. Wow. But anyway, he did land. Maybe Ben Johnson did. But anyway, he landed Daniel Oturu, yep. Gabe Kausher, and Jarvis O'Mersa. For sure. Heck, two of those guys are starting. Yes. Gabe Kausher is further along than I ever thought he would be this point. Oturu's a stud. I mean, Michigan State came in. Kansas had interest in Oturu. I yep. mean, he's he's a big timer. And then Jarvis Omersa is the best athlete in a Gophers uniform since Rodney Williams. I agree. You know, so if he can if he can work on some of those basketball skills, he yeah. is going to help them. That motor sure. never stops. For so, sure. you know, when you look at those three, you know, the future, you know, even even when Amir's gone, hopefully yeah. for your sake, Amir can go pro after this year. Yeah. You know, but Jordan Murphy gone after this year. Yeah. Dupree McBrayer gone after this year. Yeah. But when looking beyond this year, there is a reason to be fairly optimistic with these three freshmen. I agree. I think they create a very stable foundation uh, for years to come. I think all three of those guys are going to be significant to our program. And as the year go on, they're all going to get better. I agree. I think Gabe is further along than most people understand and, and thought that he would be. And if he can, if he can hit that knock down that jump shot consistently I mean he's going to get a lot of time on the court Um, you know that's one area that we need for our team is someone to consistently knock down a three-point jump shot and so far he's been doing that and Daniel you're right Daniel's a stud I think 
you know, Daniel's going to receive a lot of playing time, and we need Daniel to play well. I mean, even when Eric comes back, we need Daniel to play well uh, to give us an opportunity to have a successful season. And Jarvis, uh, I mean, he is just, from an athletic perspective, he's just, he's phenomenal. I mean, it's amazing how, how much lift he has off the court. And he's going to get better with his with his outside game, his shooting, and he'll get more confidence. And, you know, the great thing about being at the college level, you're around players that are as good or better than you every day. So that pushes you to get better. And you, you're playing against really good competition every single time you step on the court, whether you're in practice or whether you're in a game. So you, you have to get better, and it's just natural to get better in that situation. So all three of those kids would definitely end up getting better, and it, it is an an amazing foundation for years to come with getting those three kids to come to the University of Minnesota. How much does Amir enjoy playing with Gabe? Now maybe it's going back years, the Howard Pulley connection, but I'm thinking if Amir is initiating the offense more and more this year, having a shooter of Gabe's potential right out there, you know, corner three, you know, Amir driving the lane, kick it out. For sure. I mean, I would think Amir enjoys playing with Gabe Kausher. For sure. I mean, whenever you got a, a, a player like Gabe that can knock down a jump shot consistently and you have players like Amir and Isaiah that can penetrate the lane and find the open jump shooter, that's a benefit to the team overall. And it's also a benefit to uh, Gabe to have two guys on the team that are looking to penetrate and pass because you can get some open jump shots. And I think right now for Gabe, I think him hitting that open jump shot, the more he can do that, the more success he's going to have and the more time he's going to spend on the court. On Amir initiating the offense now, Richard Pitino will tell me and tell others, overblown, that the last couple years, you know, the one, the two, the three, almost the same, that depending on who's there, somebody brings up the ball, initiates the offense. Is I mean, is Pitino telling us the truth or... From your sense, is Amir being used differently now compared to his freshman and sophomore years? I, mean, I think if you just look at the first the first game and, and the exhibition game against UMD, I think you can see that he's been used a little differently. Uh, he's bringing the ball up the court more often now, and I think he's he's getting used in more pick and rolls than he than he was used in last year. So yeah, I think he's he's getting used a little differently. I think Amir played three positions for the Gophers this year. Um, and probably spend a little more time at the point guard position than he has in the first two years, for sure. I mean, is this how you always envisioned Amir being used? You know, for Amir, I, I just want Amir to be in a position or to be put in a position where he can show his overall talent and his overall skill set. And I know Amir is not a kid that's going out that's going to go out there and try to score thirty points. I think his stat line, he'd rather have a, a good amount of points, uh, a good amount of assists, and a good amount of rebounds. He likes to get other people involved. He likes to try to make the right basketball play. And a lot of times that doesn't mean that he's going to score, but try to find what his teammates that's in a, be- a better scoring position than he is. And he, I mean, he's going to try to make the right basketball play. So the, from, a, from a fan and a father standpoint that, that have played the game, yeah, I and knowing what Amir's skill set is, it it makes me happy to see him in that position. Yes, did he play? Did he play a lot of point guard in high school? You know, the great Kenny, Kenny Novak is awesome from a standpoint where he Amir had a lot of freedom to play really any position yeah. in the game in high school, and a lot and a lot of times that that was bringing the ball up and initiating the offense. So, you know, the Hopkins program and and what Kenny does over there with those guys and. Kenny was awesome for Amir because he didn't put Amir in a – he didn't label Amir with a certain position, even though Amir was one of the taller kids on the team. I mean, what a well-oiled machine. How about Wednesday night? 
at Hopkins High School, Bill Self of Kansas, Roy Williams of North Carolina, and the head coach Drew from Baylor, plus I think UCLA had an assistant or two. Just one night for Zeke Naji, who's yeah. who's a top thirty five player yep. in the class of twenty nineteen. Unfortunately yep. for the Gophers, Zeke eliminated the Gophers yep. Yep. a few weeks ago. And that's what yep. I'm talking about, where unfortunately twenty nineteen recruiting right. isn't going well. Right. But thankfully twenty eighteen recruiting did go well. Right. But yeah, I mean just right. Hopkins is it's such a well-oiled machine. Yeah, Kenny Novak has proven himself year in and year out to to have that program playing at the top level. You know, he was been he's been awarded the Nike High School Coach of the Year one time for sure. I think maybe a couple times, and it's just the way the program is run over there. Um, you know, if you come there as a player, you and if you work really hard and you stay consistent, uh, you, you know, you can have a great opportunity to play in front of uh, a lot of people and and a lot of coaches to get a chance to see you because. You know the the program always win, and and for kids on that team, I mean that's a great feeling. And even the girls program, you know, Coach Kaz, it's the same thing with the girls. You know, Coach Kaz does a great job at coaching those girls. And I had two girls that I played for him, and both of both of my girls have told me as recent as six months ago that Coach Kyle was the best coach they ever had. Oh, Brian's a rock star. Yeah, so, I mean, he's got so, four players right now with yeah, Gophers offers, yeah, including Paige Beckers, yeah. who's, who's I mean, one of the best players in the country in her class. So if you're, if, you're, if you're a basketball player in the state of Minnesota, men or women, I mean, Hopkins is a great program to play for. You learn a lot of basketball while you're there. On Jordan Murphy, how much of, of Richard Coffey Prime – so think about your prime years, 8990, mm-hmm. yep. How much of Richard Coffey prime do you see in Jordan Murphy's game? I think Jordan plays very similar to to the way I played. I think he's he's he probably has a little more lift than I had <laughs> even in my prime. <laughs> but I I think it's it's very similar. He's about 6'6", he's really strong. He rebounds extremely well. Um he he's he's starting to extend his game a little, which is really really good to see for him from a personal perspective because you know if if he's going to play at the next level he has to show that he can do that so I'm I'm hope I hope he's successful at doing that but yeah he, his game is very similar to the way I play when I uh, when I play for the Gophers I think he is again I think he is he has a little more lift um than I had and I hope he can extend his jump shot uh if he can if he can hit that 15 foot jump shot consistently that's going to help him when you say play at the next level how frightening is it when I say that the last time the Gophers had a player drafted, Chris Humphreys in 2004. <laughs> That's a long now, time. some people might say, hey, Royce White got drafted. He never really played for the Gophers. Right, I, I mean, he was Iowa State. I agree. Zach Lofton is yeah. in the NBA now, though he didn't get drafted. But, you know, there's been guys that were here for a couple months that are yeah. that are now playing pro basketball. Yeah. And Royce isn't playing right now, but yeah. Royce did play for, for a bit. But how troubling is that? I mean, hopefully... Whether it's Jordan yeah. come June or yeah. Amir yeah. or somebody else, yeah. Daniel Oturu. But at some yeah. point, this program has to produce another NBA draft pick. I, yeah, for sure. And I mean, and how else are you going to win, Richard, right? You I mean, need no, to have I, NBA I, players. I, I agree. I agree. You do, especially when you're playing in the Big Ten, you do need to have a couple of NBA players on your team. And I think I think eventually that's going to happen for the Gophers. And, and the more NBA players you get, the more NBA players are going to come, right? I mean the more kids with that type of potential would come. So I, I think there are some, some guys on the team now that have the possibilities of that happening for them if everything goes right. And um, it's key when you're playing in the Big Ten because the Big Ten is 
you know, regardless what the, what's been nationally spoken about the Big Ten, the Big Ten is always a strong conference with, and it's a physical conference. So um, having one or two NBA players on your team is always very helpful to the success of your team when you get to Big Ten play. And that's and, it's, and if you happen to make the NCAA tournament, it's, it's really important because you're going against some of the better teams in the country right from the jump, depending on where you get seated in the NCAA tournament. So um, it'll be interesting to see, you know, when that trend is broken for the University of Minnesota and once it's broken, how how soon after is the next player uh, coming behind that player that breaks the trend. All right, complete the sentence. For this gopher season to be a success, blank needs to happen. I mean, does it need to be the NCAA tournament? Does it need to be winning a game? In the big dance, multiple games, what to you would make up a successful year for the Gophers? I think making the NCAA tournament. Mm -hmm. I I think that's what I think in those kids' minds, and I'm sure in the coaches' minds, that's what they want to do. I think they want to make the NCAA tournament. I think that would be a successful season for everyone. All right, hang tight. One of your children has already been an NBA draft pick. WNBA, Nia Coffey. So I want to pick your brain on Nia Plus, we'll talk about the Wolves, your one year with the Wolves, yep. the 91-92 season. So hang tight. Richard Coffey in studio. It's 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd will return shortly. Just a reminder, this station does not endorse this. On 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd are back. Please, continue. On 1500 ESPN. All right, here's a quick check on your traffic. And uh, we've got crashes on both 35s in the Twin Cities. On southbound E, we've got a crash in St. Paul between Maryland Avenue and Pennsylvania Avenue. I uh, figure about a six-minute delay there. And northbound W near Moundsview, we've got uh, a crash uh, between uh, U.S. Highway 10 and Ramsey County Road I. That's causing about a four-minute delay there, Doogie. Thank you, Manny. Heck, I work full-time in the communication business, right? You would think I'm good at communicating. My wife is blowing up my phone with text messages, a phone call. I forgot to tell her. I forgot to communicate to her that I'm doing radio 3 to 6 o'clock today. (laughs) It's hard to balance being good both professionally and personally. It just is. It's usually one or the other, right, Richard? I guess it is. Marriage is hard. It just is. I'm not going to get involved with that conversation. (laughs) Richard's like, I plead the fifth. I'm not getting into that. Yeah, definitely do. All right. Final segment with Richard Coffey. Coming up in a few minutes, the all-time winningest coach in Gophers women's basketball history, Pam Borton, the college coach of one Lindsey Whalen. Lindsey Whalen making her coaching debut tonight. It will be a packed Williams Arena. So we'll talk to Pam Borton in about 10 minutes or so. So we'll go another eight or so with Richard. All right, before we get to the Wolves, on your daughter, Nia, I guess she learned quickly what it's like to be a pro, right? I mean, drafted by San Antonio, yep. then San Antonio. Now, there's worse places to move, but For San sure. Antonio packs up after her rookie year yeah. and moved to Las Vegas. <laughs> yes, they did. That was a different, that was a big change from San yes. Antonio to Vegas. But she uh, she really enjoyed her time in Vegas, and she started out really well this year, and then she had a couple injuries. Uh, that she struggled with for the rest of the season. But, um, yeah, her second year in the league, and she's really enjoying her experience. Right now she's over in Australia playing, um, and she plays year-round right now. So it's been it's been a great experience, her first two years out for her. I mean, isn't that the route, unfortunately, for these women, that they have to play overseas, that that's really where the money is? You have to play overseas. Um, I mean, you if know, you're thinking about maximizing your earning potential, you have this to, is the prime of Nia's playing career. 
You need to go to Australia or Europe or you name the foreign country. You do it. I mean, it doesn't last long. Your plan, your plan years go go by really quick. Doesn't last long, and you like right now after college, you play basketball for one reason. That's to earn a living, right? So, and during that time, you want to maximize your potential, maximize your your capability to earn money. So, with the structure of the WNBA and and what the pay is, you have to find. You have to play overseas to maximize your potential. You certainly maximized your potential playing in multiple cities, including here with the Timberwolves. It is the 30-year anniversary of the Wolves. When I say 1991, 1992, the one year you played with the Wolves, what what comes to mind? Man, that was a super year. Uh, my One of my favorite coaches of all time, I had an opportunity to play for him, Bill Musselman. I loved Bill. Mm-hmm. Um, Bill was really good to me. I uh, Bill worked really hard in practice, and I was a hard worker. So it was it was a, just a great time. I I keep in contact. Sam Mitchell and I have become really good friends from that year. So all the memories that I have during that time are really strong and really positive. And it was just great to play in front of the hometown, you know, especially going to the University of Minnesota and then having a chance to play for the Minnesota Timberwolves. I never even dreamed that that would happen. So that was that was a very very special time for me and my family. Unfortunately, you guys just didn't win that many games. That was tough. <laughs> was I don't remember the exact year. record, but it certainly I wasn't. Think, I, I it think, wasn't a playoff team that I remember. I think we won twenty nine games. <laughs> you know what? All things considered, actually, that's not all that bad. That's not bad at all. We won twenty nine games, and I think we won enough games to get a bonus at the end of the year. So, <laughs> so I'll take that. But it was a tough season, and and it made it it made you realize how tough the NBA is and how hard it is. Not just to make a team, but how hard it is to stay on a team once you get there. Um, but it was fun, and you know I learned a lot. And then I, you know, I, I start going overseas after that, and I played overseas for several years. And you know, my NBA experience helped me with that, and it helped me get some really good jobs overseas. So my my basketball career was um, I deem a success. I, I think I got everything out of my my career that I could possibly get from from my talent and the talent level I had talent level that I had and and uh, you know I was able to you know take some of that knowledge and put into my kids so that um you know they play basketball and and so far you know they've been really successful at it. all three of them went to college on the basketball scholarship um Nia is in the WNBA and plays overseas Sydney has played overseas her first her first 3 years out so and Amir is at the University of Minnesota, so it's it's been a great ride. Basketball has has done a lot for myself and my family, and I really enjoy watching and playing. It and well, I don't play anymore, but watching the sport, I should say. Pecking order wise, highlights of your basketball playing career. This would have been more on the collegiate side, not the professional side, but for sure. the man who used to occupy this time slot. He'll actually be on at five forty-five. Patrick Royce. <laughs> Was it the 89-90 season? Was it like a Sweet 16 game? It was a Sweet 16 game, yes. Was it against Georgia Tech or Syracuse? Uh, uh, I think it was against Syracuse. You remember that? I remember the you game. You flew yeah. into press row. <laughs> I mean, you got him good. Well, I didn't. I wasn't trying to get the ball because it wasn't really close to it, but I just wanted to knock Patrick around a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, trust me, we all want to knock Patrick around. There's a lot of Gophers fans that would love to knock Patrick around. But yeah, I remember. I can like I can picture that video. I can see it. I've seen that play a thousand times. And, you know, I just, one thing I did do back in the day was I play hard. Yeah. And I, and I went after every ball. 
And I, you know, if I had to run through you, I ran through you. If I had to knock you over, I knocked you over. I probably couldn't play in today's college game because I would probably foul out within two or three minutes of the game <laughs> because it doesn't seem like you can touch anybody anymore. But back then, you can really hammer each other down low and you can get away with it. So, but um, yeah, I remember diving, diving, <laughs> diving at a ball going out of bounds. And I, I didn't see Patrick sitting there. I saw someone sitting there, but yeah, it was. I, I've probably seen that thing a thousand times since it happened. <laughs> what, what did he say? Did he say, Richard, what the hell? What are you, what are you doing here? <laughs> I don't remember him saying anything. I remember him trying. I remember him trying to catch my legs, but he didn't do a really good job at doing that either. So, <laughs> oh awesome. gosh, was Tibbs? Was he still on the Wolf staff when you played? Yes, he was an assistant coach uh, when I played, and. Um, uh, you know, with Bill it was Bill Tibbs, Eric Musselman. Mm-hmm. You know, all those guys was on that on on the on the squad then and in uh, the coaching staff. And I don't remember a lot a lot from Tibbs because you know he he didn't. Um, you know, Bill was con- in control of everything back then. <laughs> yes. you know, we, we had assistant coaches, but Bill ran absolutely everything: the offense, the defense. It was well. That's why Tibbs is the way he is today because <laughs> probably, of Bill. Probably so. Probably so. But I remember one story I want to tell about the Wolves. I remember when Gerald Glass. Gerald Glass was always last in the sprints, and Bill Musselman was fifty at the time, and 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 uh, Bill challenged Gerald Glass to a sprint, <laughs> to a suicide sprint, and at the very end, the only way Gerald Glass beat Bill Musselman across the line is he had to dive across the line <laughs> to beat this fifty-year-old man. <laughs> Bill was amazing. Well, I had I, I have great memories of, of during that time in my life, and, and may have to. It's the relationships that you take with you. It's not the games you won or lost or the games you played. It's the relationships you build and, and the times that you spend with those guys during that time. And, and once your career is over, you spend time with those guys. So it's been fun. This was a ton of fun, speaking of fun. And we will see you at the barn on Monday. Gophers and Utah. Hopefully your son Amir plays very well and the Gophers find a way to beat the Utes come Monday night. Go Gophers. Richard Coffey, former Gophers great, former Timberwolf, nice enough to join us in studio for the last 40 minutes. When we come back, we catch up with Pam Borton. She'll talk about Lindsey Whalen's coaching debut tonight. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Just hold your ass right there. On 1500 ESPN.